Hello everyone and welcome to the show where not even the trivia gods can save us now. My name is Christy. And my name is Illumide. And this is the Big Empty Purse Podcast. Why is there a fly down here? When in your life have you felt the most lonely? Let's say it on three. Three, two, one. Grad school. Childhood. Oh. <laughs> So, Illumide, what have you been up to since the last episode? Absolutely nothing. I've been up to nothing. I can't even tell you. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. I did go. I, I had a weekend trip to San Antonio to go celebrate a birthday, and I was living my best life. I enjoyed that. Besides that, absolutely nothing. I wish I could remember something that was memorable that I've done. Oh, when I went to San Antonio, I forgot my favorite pair of sunglasses at the Airbnb, and I'm mad oh. now. I'm just fucking pissed. I didn't realize it until I got on the plane to get back, and I was livid. I really love those. I have to go find that exact pair. Mind you, this will be the third time I've had to replace that pair. Are they expensive? Relatively. They're like 30-something dollars. Yeah, see, I won't spend more than like $5, or preferably free, right. on a pair of sunglasses, because I am always losing them. Yeah. Like, constantly yeah. some people go out and buy Prada pair of sunglasses and those cost like three four hundred the Versace ones that I the Versace ones are actually pretty cool but I'm not spending three four hundred dollars on a fucking pair really no so yeah these are really good like they're made they're polarized too so when the sunlight hits it doesn't just it's not the case where it's just shaded it's both shaded and polarized and it has like an ombre so if you look through the bottom of the sunglasses it actually you can see clear so when I'm biking it's like the perfect pair of sunglasses and it's also wide enough because i have a wide face most sunglasses are a nightmare because they'll just squeeze my temples but these are mm. perfect in every aspect when i found these i was like i am buying these until the day i die and i keep yes. losing them so uh, i hope and the thing is like they're so hard to find i have to like scroll through the bottom of amazon looking for it i think <laughs> if i bought it on amazon before i should just be able to look at my reason like not even recent because i bought yeah. it like maybe two years now i have to look through my purchases from two years ago just to find it and if that seller still has them i'll just buy a few more but yeah just buy in bulk yeah <laughs> Okay, can I just complain about Airbnb one more time, please? Of course. This is a safe <laughs> space for that. <laughs> so, I had sworn that I'd never do Airbnb again. But remember, the last time I complained on this podcast about Airbnb, it's because I was in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. they fucked up because the person who was hosting didn't show up. Yada, yada. So, they gave me a credit for the one night that I spent at the hotel. I spent like four nights at the hotel, but they gave me the first night back. So, they gave it to me as an Airbnb credit. So, I was like... Okay, instead of me to come out of pocket for the full cost of this trip to San Antonio, I can just use that Airbnb credit, so I'll just have to book through Airbnb. When I yeah. get there, the place is fine. It's somebody's, like, one of those ranch houses that has a guest house. Mm. I didn't care. It was fine. But the <laughs> thing is, I don't know if somebody spilled juice or something sugary on one of the curtains, because you could literally see a patch of mosquito eggs on there. Ooh. And the, and the apartment was in with mosquitoes like oh. no I, I didn't even notice the eggs at first because i just walked in i was like okay there's one fly i was like okay maybe that one like was let in when i opened the door and then i saw two more and then i saw three more and then i kept seeing more and i was like i know that many didn't like come in and i know that the life cycle of a mosquito is not that quick <laughs> that from one i've gotten like 10 already 
So I had to like go to Target, buy Raid, spray the whole thing, then drive out for like five hours to let the thing calm down. For and then I just walked back in and like they were littered on the floor. They were just dead all over the place. I child, y'all need to do better Airbnb. And the people who host for Airbnb, please fucking do better. And then of course like this, if you have a bathroom that doesn't have a glass door, which glass doors are not perfect, but if you use shower curtains. Please, for the love of God, if you choose to use the washable ones, the reusable ones, make sure that they are at least not dragging on the floor of the bathroom. Because <laughs> all that pink bacteria that stains mm-hmm. things, it was a white shower curtain that was a reusable cloth one. So the entire four inches of the bottom of it was dragging on the floor and that entire four inches was pink. Ooh. And I just stood there like, <sighs> who do I want to fight for this? <laughs> who, like. Am I supposed to be washing a shower curtain now or what? So anyway, that was also very annoying. I had to like bleach the whole bottom of the thing. I was just standing there like. <sighs> you bleached it? Why? Am I supposed to take a shower with the pink bacteria on there? <laughs> and I, I don't, I'm broke. I can't just go get another hotel for those days. So we're going to have to thug this one out after I've killed all the flies. <laughs> the Lord of them. For those of you who are not well read, that's a book. By the way, that book was, I don't understand how they made us read that in high school. That book was really traumatic. I am done with Airbnb. I'm, I just do hotels now. Unless I need like a big space for like a bunch of people where we need like a common area. But just for myself. No. Nope. Right. No. If not for the credit that I wanted to spend because I was like, let me not just pay full price. Yeah. Being cheap will always get you. There is not one time that I've been cheap that I was like, you know what? Yeah. There's always something about whatever it is that you get from cheap that you're just like, this is why it was cheap. That's all I've been up to. Nothing to report. I haven't consumed any content, but I, Christy, the Barbie movie, mm-hmm. the fucking Barbie movie comes yes. out on July 21. I'm yes. so hyped for it. I'm so fucking hyped for it. I can't fucking wait. I can't wait. I'm going on the 21st. I just bought tickets today. I cannot <laughs> wait. I will. All, I'm going to also see it on the 21st because if it's trash, you know, I'm going to be back here and I'm going to tell you it's trash, but I'm mm-hmm. hyped for that movie. I'm so hyped for I'm it. I'm so excited. Also, I saw yes. earlier this morning that somebody sent me that um, Timothy Charmbury Slate is going to be playing Willy Wonka. And a new rendition oh of the God. movie that's coming out in December. The trailer did not give anything away because it was just a trailer revealing that he was playing Wonka. But I'm actually curious to see what the storyline is going to be. And yeah. apparently, Hugh Grant is just playing all the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> oh my. Oh God, I can't wait to see Fascinating. That. Oh man. Have you seen Ryan Gosling's like quotes and interviews from the Barbie press tour? Mm-mm. I don't know what, it, I don't know if it's method acting. I don't know if something about playing Ken has like affected his brain. <laughs> But the every interview he's done is like vapid, nonsensical, so ridiculous. Like in the interviews, does he look like Ken or does he look like Ryan Gosling? Um, somewhere in the middle, somewhere mm. in the middle. But he's just like he seems to just be leaning hard into the himbo. I don't know if it's for marketing or or what it is, but it's really funny. It's very very funny. I saw uh because Will Ferrell's in it playing a villain, and he said about the movie that it is both high art and low art at the same time. And I was like, that's very promising. That sounds like something I would love. <laughs> I honestly hope that this movie gives more than I expected to. Yeah. And all of the, the Barbenheimer things on the internet are killing me. <laughs> also, I don't give a shit about the Oppenheimer movie. I really don't. I think I might watch it because it, it feels like an Oscar bait movie. Yeah. And I want to sure. be able to realistically critique whether or not it deserves to win any awards. So for that purpose, mm-hmm. I will be watching that. I sound so pretentious when I say that, but I don't give a shit yeah. about the Oppenheimer movie otherwise. Like, I just don't care. I'm going to watch it when it comes out on streaming, but that motherfucker's three hours long. I'm not going to see a three-hour movie yeah. in theaters. No. 
Fuck yeah. off. I, I really have a very strong belief, which I've probably said multiple times on here, but a movie should not be over two hours long. I agree. It's uh, use a different art form yep. or get a better editor. Like yeah, if you can't, if you if it's three hours long, make it a limited series. Do mm-hmm. not put it in theaters as a full feature. It's gonna really just annoy people. It's the same thing I felt about like the Avatar movie because mm-hmm. James Cameron does not edit. No, he just he puts everything not. in there, and I'm like, sir, this story did not need to be four hours long. Who fucking sent you? I love a limited series. I I think that's an underrated yep. media form. Even if it leaves people wanting more, you don't have to keep going. Just leave it limited. Mm-hmm. However, I say that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But Lovecraft Country, I would like them to do more of that. Well, I don't think they meant for it to be a limited series. I think it just didn't get renewed. I would also take more what? Lovecraft Country. It didn't get renewed? Are you serious? That was such a good series. Who the fuck? Who do I have to scream over over there at HBO? <laughs> what have I been doing? We had some folks over for board games, and someone brought something that was an excellent but poorly executed idea, which is Twister. But instead of just the spinner, it was like adult prompts. The person who brought it called it Trauma Twister. <laughs> it was like, put your right hand on red if you have more than $10,000 in student loan debt. Like <laughs> Everybody's hand is going on red. The people who made it did not do a good job writing those cards, but this is a real opportunity. Like, the concept was great, but there were not enough cards and some of them were stupid. Oh, and I bring it up not only because it's a fascinating concept, but also because while playing it, I found out that one of my friends had broken up with his longtime girlfriend. Wow. <laughs> it was so... We were literally the two people left in this Twister game. We're like twisted around each other. I'm like upside down crab walking. And they say like right hand on whatever. If you've been in your current relationship for more than a year. And he goes, well, not anymore. We're literally like I'm upside Yikes. down, like over top of him. I'm like, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> also, how do people, how do people announce it? That's what I'm saying. Is there even a protocol? I feel like, like, obviously there's the people who are, like, closest to me who I tell, who I would tell. Right, 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 um, right, right, right. Not that I've done it for a while, but a good strategy is to tell someone you know is going to tell everyone else. Uh. Like, on purpose, so that you don't have to tell everyone else. But then otherwise, if someone doesn't know, the next time I happen to talk to that person and they say, how's it going? I say, well, let me tell you. I hope you wanted an honest answer. Because you're going to get it. If you didn't, you're learning a lesson right now. <laughs> What else have I done? Fourth of July happened. It's I don't. I, it's a pretty trash ass holiday, but I got the day off, so. You know that the Fourth of July holiday is the holiday that's most likely to have the most mass shootings. It's that tracks. People celebrating the great traditions of our country. And one happened in uh, Baltimore around that time. Of course it did. Actually, two, I think, if I'm uh, wrong. But I, I, at least one. At least one. And I, my mom. <laughs> oh my God! Shout out to my mom. My mom called me and she was like. Uh, are you doing anything for 4th of July? Because this happened before 4th of July. I was like, nothing. She goes, well, I know you like to go outside. I was like, first of all, that's not true. And she's like, well, anyway, um, there was a mass shooting, so maybe don't go outside for 4th of July. I was like, I wasn't planning on it. See how hot it is outside? She's like, okay, good. I was like, cool, thanks. <laughs> yeah. The mass shootings are like so wild. I don't get it. You know what? Let's just move on before I go on a rant. We had a little dinner party. We had people over to eat Cajun food. So we had crawfish etouffee. We had cornbread. We had beignets. The important part most important part of that dinner party though is that while we were eating dinner someone volunteered the information that there is a reality tv show a gay reality tv show hosted by stormy daniels called for the love of dilfs stop it stop (laughs) it and i was on my phone immediately i was like where is it streaming where is it streaming okay so that's what we're doing for the rest of this dinner party (laughs) so for the love of dilfs the concept is it's basically like trying to find love between 
younger gay men and older gay men competing for a, quote, $10,000 investment in their relationship. This is what I want to see. Yes. Yes. This is the content we need. Also, <laughs> if the prize money is $10,000, Christy. <laughs> so who gets that $10,000? Is it the daddy or the himbo? They get it as a pair. So really, you only get 5000 And they brought in all these gays from LA. It was like, that's barely a month's rent. Like, what are you? Why are yeah. you here? I mean, I understand that, like, people who go on these reality TV shows go for exposure so they can use that exposure to get even 100, 500 times the amount of money that's the prize money. Highly recommend. It's not good. It's extremely, extremely bad. But it's so entertaining. We were living for it. They brought on they brought on people who, like, know each other from the first episode. They were like, oh, you guys know each other? It's like the, the like, dramatic music. They're like, yes, I'm best friends with their ex. Like TV producers are going reality. Let me refer. Actually, no, all TV reality. You know what? I just said what I said the first time, right? TV producers are going to hell. I'll see them there. Reality mm -hmm. TV producers are going to be in my corner section, the VIP section. Because <laughs> I know these people, these people are the, they are the worst people to ever have lived. So I'll be seeing them. <laughs> so then the other content I've consumed is several episodes of a new show on Apple TV called Silo. It's a post-apocalyptic sort of drama, thriller, mystery, where a bunch of people are living in this under, like huge underground silo and mm -hmm. basically the world outside is uninhabitable, so they're all living in this silo together. And there's, you know, someone discovers something that they think that they're being lied to about the outside world, and, you know, drama ensues within the silo. It was one of those where it was an interesting idea. So I figured it would be a pretty good adaptation for TV, but I think the acting and the writing are both letting it down. Yikes. It's not great. I want to like it. I'm trying really hard to like it, because I really liked... I really liked the books and the complaints I had about the books. I was like, but this would make a great TV show. And then it didn't. Ugh, but it's not. I'm still trying to watch it. I think I'm like six episodes in, which is more than I often give a TV show. I'll report back if something changes, but so far I'm not impressed. I scroll through Netflix, literally looking for anything. Cause I'm just like, I need something to watch, something that I can get excited about. And I see all the titles and I scroll like hundreds of things that I scroll past. And I'm just like, not that, not that, not that. You can just tell from just seeing either the trailer or just like the caption or the title and the synopsis that it won't be good. There's so many mm -hmm. of those on Netflix. Yeah, I almost won't watch anything nowadays unless it's been recommended by someone. And usually that recommendation comes with information about sometimes it's like, okay, they don't figure it out until like episode four. So thug it out for three episodes and then I promise it gets really good. Right. Like... There are definitely shows like that, like the first season of Parks and Rec is super weird. Like the first few episodes of Community are like bad, <laughs> like straight up bad. But this one is new and I picked it up without a personal recommendation because we'd read the books. I need to ask John because we've done this before where one of us thinks the other likes the show. So we keep watching it even though like each of us are just like disliking it separately being like, well, but the other one likes it. So I'll watch a few more episodes and see. I run the risk of him being then like, oh, but I feel bad watching it because you don't like it. But like it very much john if you're listening to this i don't actually like silo that much <laughs> <laughs> I, I i wish i had the patience see i'm a very impatient person when i go to therapy at some point in my life i will probably work on that i cannot sit through anything that i do not like my immediate instinct is i'm leaving i'm just gonna fuck off there's no reason nobody's gonna force me to watch it so i just won't we're gonna play trivia aren't we we sure are fourth week let's go three for three come on let's go yeah yeah, I I cannot believe we were on this streak, but yes. I hope I hope we keep it going because I will be mad if we don't. <laughs> I know, I know it has to end sometime, but it's not, not this week. Trivia it guns. Week. Trivia question number one. Which US interstate highway is the longest? God damn it. Oh, you know what? I used to learn this nonsense where it's like 
if it earns in a five, if it earns, if it ends in a five, it goes like north to south. And if it mm. ends in a 10 or if it's a, something like that, it goes east to west. That I don't know if that's sense, true, though. Because, like, I-95 is north-south along yeah. the east coast. And I think the 410 in L.A. and the 10. <laughs> yeah, I think that goes... Yeah, I think so. I think so. Right? But honestly, though, I don't know. I know that the... Um, I'm going to just say it's one of the 95s. I don't know which it is. Probably just 95. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, the ones that are three digits, I know this, too, are, like... like I-95 goes up and down the east coast, and then the, like, three-digit ones, like, 395 and 495 are basically, like, connecting different parts of 95. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're, like, little offshoots. But yeah. what, which one is the New, New, New Jersey Turnpike? That's not... I think that's... You know, actually, I don't know. Because that New Jersey Turnpike spans that New Jersey, spans Pennsylvania. I think it might even span Maryland. Is that even... Ni- Wait, that might be 95. Component highways. Oh, interesting. It's, like, parts... Jersey of different highways, including some of 95 and some of 78. Oh, so that can't be just one highway then. Interesting, I guess not. Is it Route 66 in California? Is Route 66 just in California? I think, you know what? I'm not sure, I think so, I could be wrong. So I don't think it's Route 66. But if it is Route 66, we're gonna take that answer. If it's 95 or if it's the 10, anything that ends in 10, we will take it too. (laughs) But I don't know. I feel like it's gotta be a like east to west cross-country one but i don't know any of those because i don't want to drive to those places 270 is north to south and 270 i don't think 270 is that long so the 70 i suppose yeah 70 you know what 70 70? 95 and 10 i feel like one of those three and if i'm wrong somebody will let me know actually 70 that might be it because i think i remember driving that through pennsylvania and i think it does go east west and i think it continues maybe it is 70 you know what any of the ones we've mentioned we will take yes which u.s interstate highway is the longest the answer is interstate 90. we have ruined the streak we have uh, ruined the it the streak is in shambles ah, no so wh- where does 90 go from where to where i'm sure let's the question probably won't say let's see i-90 have i ever driven on i-90 east west transcontinental freeway the longest in the u.s at 3021 miles it begins in Seattle, travels through the Pacific Northwest, Mountain West, Great Plains, Midwest, and, Midwest, and the Northeast, ending in Boston. Serves 13 states and goes through major cities including Chicago, Cleveland, Buffalo, and Rochester. So it's across the northern United States. Yeah, so east it wouldn't west. have come. To, so we would. Have, I mean, we in our daily driving in Maryland, we would have not driven a 90 because I don't. I've yeah. never driven a 90 in Maryland, so I don't think it exists here. So you said it terminates <laughs> in Boston. Yeah, no, from Seattle to Boston, Maryland is easier than that. So. Yeah. Oh, well, we got no, it wrong. goes sort of when you get towards the Midwest and the East Coast, it goes sort of along the shores of the Great Lakes. It's pretty far north. Mm, so. Okay. That's yeah. Again, I, I don't go to those places. Yeah. You know what? It doesn't matter. We got the question wrong, but I'm mad about it. But we did. <sighs> so sad. God damn it. Oh. Well, well maybe sad. we'll get the other two right. Can you imagine? Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> If we go from getting, you know where I'm going with this. If we go from yes. getting three out of three for three weeks in a row, and the fourth week we get zero out of three, now that would piss me off. That would completely that would. annoy me. Oh, we'll see I feel like it's gonna happen. <laughs> I feel like that's gonna happen. Oh. Let's hope not. A Bible question. Come on. No dice. We got a history question. Motherfucker. Trivia question number two. In 1906, President Theodore Roosevelt established the first U.S. national monument. What was it? We're not getting any right this week. 
What's, ah. What the fuck is a national monument? Is it the DC monument? I think. I mean, I think a lot of the things that are monuments clearly were built before 1906. So I maybe. I guess it's just like a designation. But like, right? Because well, maybe I'm wrong. Actually, no. Because no. Yeah. The, like, the Statue of Liberty is that a national monument? I don't know. Actually. Because that has been there before the 19... I can tell you right now for free. Yeah. It was there before 1906, so... Is it the Washington Monument, maybe? I'm going to guess Washington Monument, but yeah. I'm not even sure. All right, let's get this wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was going to guess Washington Monument, too, so I'm trying to think of another one just to cover a little more ground. I don't ground. know any other monument. So, like, is the Statue of Lincoln a monument? Because maybe... I think so. Yeah, like, I think... I think that's a monument. I think the Jefferson Whatchamadoodle is a monument. Can it be um, a monument for a war? Like one of those memorial things? I think so. You know what? I'm going to guess it's either for a war or for a president. Or whatever it is, we're going to War. Wars, wars, presidents, general. Those general vibes. All right. I don't even know what the Washington Monument is supposed to do. Like, is that supposed to be from a war? Or demon- is that just, what was the I reason? think it's just, just for George Washington. Okay, that's lovely. For um, being a prominent white dude in our country. I, like, I really don't. I think it's just oh about him. Oh my god. Mount Rushmore? Are you guessing Mount Rushmore? Yeah. That's still under president, so we're going to take that. Yeah. That's probably a monument. Yeah. That's probably a monument. Yeah, we'll throw that in there, too. All right. Trivia question number two. In 1906, President Roosevelt established the first U.S. national monument, which was Devil's Tower in Wyoming. All right. What the fuck is... We better get the third question right. This is some bullshit. What the fuck is a Devil's Tail? Or whatever the fuck. That's not Devil's even a president Tower. or a war. In Wyoming? Why, of all places. Who cares? Teddy. What the fuck, man? What? <laughs> who Who cares about this? Why is this a monument? Why? It's a rock. It's just a rock. It's a big, tall rock. What the fuck is this? Why this? Why this, Teddy Roosevelt? I'm confused. I'm very confused. I'm praying. Like, we have to get the third question right. This is going to be some bullshit. Oh, I don't even think we've ever gotten zero out of three. I think we have. All right, well. I think we have. (laughs) This won't be the first time. But, All right, here we go. Trivia question number three. Who played Santa Claus in Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You music video? All right, I don't know. I don't know I honestly don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to imagine this picture in my head. I just don't know who it is. I I don't even... I, I probably have seen the video. But I don't remember it making any impression. Okay, I'm gonna guess, <laughs> just to be petty, Tommy Matola. Or what's the other one that um, Naomi Campbell had to testify against him in court? <laughs> oh. You know what I'm talking about. What? What? Yeah. What's his name? Because the song is such a meme now, but I guess it probably wouldn't have been when they recorded the video. So, like, I don't. I actually have no idea who to guess. You know what? I'm almost embarrassed that I don't know this. This seems like something that I should know. Yeah, I feel like we should know. How are we so unlucky this week? Yeah, that's the thing is it's such a troll thing now that like, I feel like it would be a comedian, but it, like I'm wondering if it was someone who was just like hot or something like that and they made them play Santa Claus. Like, I don't, oh, I don't, I truly yeah. don't know. I'm going to say a leading man actor in 94. A popular male musician in 1994. Oh yeah, that could be like maybe uh, one of the, um, the OG Another Christmas musician. people. The, the OG Christmas people. You know, the, probably somebody who made Christmas music around the time. We're about to find out. I'm so mad we might get this wrong. Jesus. Uh, All right, let's go. Trivia question number three. In Mariah Carey's All I Want For You music video, the person who plays Santa Claus is... Oh, Tommy Mottola. 
You got it right. The first answer that I guessed. I am so happy. Ah. Okay, we don't have zero out of yes. three this month. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, you saved us. I oh, can't believe we got that miracle. right. That was a lucky, lucky, lucky guess. Yeah. Oh, I guess they were married at the they time. They were married at the time. Yeah. That's why I guessed yeah. him. That's why I said I'm being yeah. petty because when they had that nasty divorce. <laughs> segway. Sorry. <laughs> have you seen that interview with Mariah Carey where somebody puts a microphone to her house saying? She just bought this new house or something. She goes, and the person was asking her, oh, how does it feel to have bought your first house? She goes, actually, this is not my first house. I owned a house before with someone. However, that house burned out. But <laughs> she was like, I paid for half of everything, too. But that house burned out. And she starts cackling. <laughs> I mean, I wish we had kept our streak, but that was that was never it had to end at some point. But I'm glad it didn't come crashing down quite right. so hard. So the topic we'll be discussing today is loneliness. Yay. Oh, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Lighthearted topics here at the Big Empty Purse. <laughs> you know, we got to start with the book report and be attacked. So, loneliness is a state of distress or discomfort or feelings of isolation when you basically want social connections but don't have them. So, it's not the same as just being alone, it's feeling like you want a social connection and not having that connection. Because you can be alone and feel very content alone. Right. Or, you can be with people, but still not feel like you're getting your need for social connection met. So loneliness is that disconnect in feelings. Hold that thought. I just went to find a still frame of the Santa Claus in that fucking video. You can <laughs> barely tell it's Tommy Matola under there. <laughs> this is such a dumb trivia question, but sorry, carry on. Oh God. That is really trivia trivia, like extremely trivial. Like, yeah, and I, I just happened I'm to have been petty to call Tommy's name, but really, I didn't know. Like, of all the ones we would have gotten right, it's weird that it was that one. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I had to say. It's, it's relevant. It's relevant. <laughs> uh, so, you did some research on the loneliest cities and countries. Yep. What did we you live find? in all of them. Yeah. Because, <laughs> depending on what list you look at, DC is number one in three of the lists. And in another <laughs> list, DC is number two. Baltimore oh. is consistently number three and number four. <laughs> and you know what? I would agree. <laughs> I would very yeah. much agree. And I don't think that's a function of like, and then what we're talking about, how they would have done the survey to figure out what the city is that's the most lonely. If they had sent out a survey and say, hey, do you feel lonely? Maybe they take a percentage of the people and they look at which city has the highest percent. Or what I thought was more likely is they just look at the people who live alone. Mm -hmm. The number of people. And the thing is, I can tell you for a fact, not very many people in Baltimore live alone. Yeah. Nor the many people in DC live alone because these are really high rent areas. Yes. I feel like any city, there's probably fewer people I guess big city, like probably like mid-sized, like smaller cities. There's probably a lot of people living alone, but like big cities like this. Yeah, no, you can't live alone. Mm -mm. Do you know, mm -mm. rent is high as fuck. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how they're measuring this loneliness though. Because if DC yeah. is number one, which I believe, I completely believe DC. And the other list said Vegas is also pretty high up, but that makes sense to me. DC mm -hmm. and Baltimore, that also makes sense to me. The way people here, it, the culture is not like, Y'all, y'all. It very, is, very much is the culture. I suppose, like, America is number five on the loneliest country list. Honestly surprised it's not higher. Right. I, you, know what, you know what? I will say, I will say. The thing that probably shifts America lower on this list is probably, like, places like the South. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Where you can't be lonely because everyone's in your business all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Precisely. Ooh. Precisely. You actively want less social connection. <laughs> And also, when I, when, I, when I looked at the list, New York is pretty high up on that list, too, which I didn't think 
would be true. Because I feel like New York City is very populated. Like, it's so populated that you will find your tribe even if you weren't trying. I don't know. But maybe I'm wrong. I've never lived in New York. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really want the experience of living in that place, that seems. I've seen I've seen how traumatized my friends who lived there were, so. Really? Oh, yeah. People who lived there didn't like it? So there's a few people I've known who liked it, who really liked it, and then there's a few people who liked a lot of things about it, but then got extremely burnt out on it and are still recovering from the trauma of living in that kind of environment. It's just a whole... Like, what about it was, place. like, maybe... Was it their the money i mean i don't think the money is like i think that's definitely part of it we should have some people on that could be a topic yeah recovering new yorkers i know come tell i know enough of them i think a lot of it was like the money and the fact that things are so expensive you're in these like tiny spaces the like oh the quality of life itself because of how small the spaces are yeah and just like the culture of going out all the time and it's yeah i couldn't i don't know that i could describe it well but i've seen it I've seen its effects among among our friends. People keep going there in droves to continue to experience this. I'm like, what is, are you guys sick in the head? Why are you going there? <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy New York for a weekend and that's plenty for me. Right. After that, I'm like, I'm tired of being in these tiny spaces. I've, I'm tired of being around this many people all of the time. I'm tired of it smelling like trash everywhere. The day the appeal of New York City dies away so people can fucking leave that place. I wonder where those people are going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what surprised me was like Sweden was number one on the list of most lonely country. And Italy was, I think, number four, which that really surprised me. I didn't think Italy was that lonely. I need to talk to my friend who lives there. I haven't spoken to him in a while. Let's see what he's up to. Just ask like, hey, is it true? Why is there a fly down here? I didn't even know. <laughs> anyway. What does loneliness feel like to you? Every day of my life for as yeah. long as I live. I look to the hills when my heart is lonely. You know this song. I know I will hear what I've heard before. I actually don't. This is Sound of Music. Oh, is it? Well, then I've heard it before. And I've just... That song was about loneliness. That's why I sang it. But also, every day of my life for as long as I live. It, it feels like... You know, most people have this feeling where when you get excited about something and you want to tell someone, you can typically pick up your phone and send it to like two or three people. Mm -hmm. You got some really good news. You want to call somebody and tell them. A lot of times I'll find something I'm really excited about and I'll pick up my phone or like I want to tell someone I can't rush home to tell anybody because there's nobody there to tell. And if I picked up my phone, I would feel like I'm bothering those three people even if I brought it up to discuss. It like in those moments, it like it's really annoying. Like, oh man. Or when you are so bored that you want to go do an activity and mm -hmm. you just realize that there's no one to call to do an activity with you. Like things like that. And these are like, they sound so superficial and stupid, but those are the moments that you really feel like, God damn it. No, it's a serious feeling. Like yeah, how about you? Like no what, what does loneliness feel like to you? I experience it for similar things for like, it can be positive or negative. It's, it's basically just when I want to share something with someone, whether it's like something exciting or something funny, or if it's something sad and I need support, or it's like, I want, yeah. It's just when I want to reach out and I don't feel like either there is no one there or I don't feel like there's someone there who's there mm -hmm. to, like, who could receive that. And it feels, I don't know, it just sort of feels, what are some good feeling words? It feels like a disappointment, not, like a very, very painful disappointment. Like, God damn it. It feels sort of like empty. It's like I want, mm -hmm. there's like, there's, I want something there. There's like this hole where I want like a relationship or a connection or, or something and feel like there's nothing to do about it. And it's just like an emptiness feeling. Right. Like sometimes it's like a passing, like feeling kind of lonely, but even mm. that can sometimes be quite a strong feeling. That passing feeling happens so often in, in the Panasonic. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. It would just wash over you, like, suddenly. Yes. Like, un- unprompted, literally unprovoked. You would just be sitting there, la, 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 there it comes. What a bizarre psychological time for us all. I would like to think that there are places in the world that they have communities and cultures that this doesn't happen nearly as often. And even mm-hmm. if it does happen, there's something they can do. Because the most annoying yeah. thing is, like, I don't like the feeling of I want to reach out to someone, but I feel like I'm bothering them. And that happens very mm-hmm. often. They have their own life. They're busy doing something. If I, if I just pop into their mm-hmm. inbox... I want to be bothering them. Yeah. It, I'm sure I'm not the only person. This happens to very many people. I'm just... Even people that I feel very close to, I have to be very careful. Like, I, I don't want to feel like I'm overstepping or bothering them because I know everybody else is in this bullshit where we all, have a, we all have our own lives that we're putting up with. So... I just try and... I feel the same thing. And I... The way I tend to counter that is to try and remind myself of times that I've felt happy when someone, like, texted me out of the blue or shared something with me. Like, Mm -hmm. even if it's, like, been, like, forever and somebody just randomly reaches out to me, I often really enjoy it, so. I have, yeah. (laughs) You've blocked and deleted anyone you haven't talked to in the past three weeks, so. (laughs) There, There are some people that I reach out to them, not because I have something, but, like, I can reach out to someone out of the blue and not feel bad about it if... I'm not reaching out to them for selfish reasons. Because hmm. a lot of times when I want to reach out to someone, it's because I have something exciting that I want to tell them. Mm-hmm. But if they just cross my mind, like I was thinking of something else and they just came into my mind, and I'm like, oh, how is this person doing? That doesn't feel like a selfish reason to reach out. So I'll just send them a text saying, hey, you just crossed my mind. Hope you're doing well and leave it there. But like that, that has nothing to do with loneliness per se. It's just like a, the feeling of you're bothering someone and you don't hmm. feel like you have the right to bother them. But I know people who in my childhood they did not have this problem. If they were walking <laughs> by your house, no business. They haven't sent you a text. They, actually, we didn't have text. Like, they hadn't given you a heads up that they were going to come that day. Like last time you said them, they didn't like, they're just walking by, knock on your door. They're coming into your house. <laughs> like, Mm-mm. yeah, but it doesn't happen like that here because the way the culture and society is set up, you really can't just be bothering people like that. You have to give them enough notice and that kind of thing. So I get it. I respect it, but. I've been trying really hard to put myself out there more and just like, because that I, I've really struggled with that feeling. Often people are like seem really pleased to hear, um, and sometimes it results in like actually connecting with that person. Sometimes it's just like a nice little acknowledgement. But I will say, when you do put yourself out there and then they don't reciprocate at all, right there, then that hurts even more. Especially if you had to like work yourself up and you're like feeling lonely and you're like, okay, I'll do the thing. I, I put myself out there. I reach out for this connection. And then to not get it back is... I am... See, if I could quantify the rejection I have received in my lifetime, if I could translate that monetarily, I'd be the wealthiest person on the planet. (laughs) Nobody on this planet. I would go on the record of saying, I don't know what anybody's rejection stats are, but I know that mine are definitely up there. They are high. I've kind of just gotten used to it. Not Well, not gotten, because you can never get used to it, but I'm able to push out of my mind faster. Hmm. I've psyched myself up. I'm going to put myself out there, even though I know that the likelihood of the rejection or maybe a no response is fairly high. And I do it anyway, and then it comes back, and it's just... <laughs> it is what... Which is why, like, whenever I see a text come in, if I feel shitty about something, I try not to do that to anyone else. So if I see mm-hmm. a text come in on my phone, even if I'm in the middle of something, I, like, read it immediately, and I just type some bullshit and send it back. Just so that person doesn't feel, you know what I mean? Even if I, I like, yeah. I don't have the time and space and effort to, like, respond in full sentences, that kind of thing. I'll just send you something. Like, that way you know that I saw it and I've acknowledged you. Mm. And then when I have time, I'll double yeah. back and I'll, like, geeky and chat. I feel like more than not, I'm typically the person who's reaching out. Yeah, and I do it enough times until I recognize that I've been doing it more than the other person and then I pull back. 
mm-hmm. just because I don't yeah. want to be a bother. Like, there's no reason for me to be like pestering you, that kind of thing. But some people, I've just accepted that I will send them memes until I die. I don't care if they read or reciprocate or respond. <laughs> I will just keep eating memes in their inbox. I don't yep. care. I don't fucking care. Yep. Like, we could fight <laughs> about it, but I will just keep eating. But, like, there are only like three or four people I do that to. Everybody else, I can see that meme, think of you. I go to, like, literally click on your name to send it. I'm like, mm. nah. In fact, yeah. I've gone out of my way to block people to make sure I don't do that to them. Because <laughs> maybe the times that I've done it in the past, they didn't, like, it It didn't feel like they were happy to get it. Huh. Maybe it's all in my head, but, like, if it feels like they're not happy to get it, I stop doing it. When in your life have you felt the most lonely? Let's say it on three. Three, two, one. Grad school. Childhood. Oh. <laughs> Oh, childhood is a very good one. Let's get in there, shall we? <laughs> I was going to say either my, like, not, well, it's sort of younger child, but, like, adolescent years or during the pentatonics, which was a very right. different right. type yeah. of lonely feeling. But, yeah, growing up, I know I felt really lonely because I just did not feel like I fit in where I grew up, like, I didn't feel like I fit in my family. I didn't feel like I had friends who understood me at high school. I felt like no one around me had the same like interests or life goals or anything. So like there were people in my life, but I didn't feel like I had a connection with any of them. And I didn't feel like anyone was there who I could like share things with like frustrations about the people around me or share like goals of wanting to move out of this town. Like that was a very lonely time. The Panda Express was lonely in a different way. That really did. It was so, it was just so bizarre. It was like not, a type of loneliness I feel like, I mean, uh, I guess probably the majority of us have experienced before. Mm. Like I remember doing all the like, because like the Zoom calls were so popular, it would be so interesting. Like some of the times I feel like I felt the most lonely is I would do like a Zoom call with people and like hang up and just have this feeling of like, Mm. I don't know, like even though I just had finally gotten to interact with people, it was like, it felt so different and it felt like we were blocked off from like the actual connection I wanted to have and it also felt like everything was just so uncertain like how long yep. would we be doing it like that like it felt like you were getting like maybe one one hundredth of the serotonin you would normally would from the same interaction and then mm-hmm. you just like well am I gonna have every other interaction for the rest of my life only getting one one hundredth of you were just like what is this and when will it end and then you realize oh wait it might never end and you're just like is this what life is gonna be like now yeah and all of this is not to say that i didn't feel lonely in grad school <laughs> oh no, no 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 that shit was a different and that i feel like you're right when you said like there are different types of lonely because mm-hmm. i feel like at this stage in my life i have at least a few i've come across a few people who i'm not a mystery i'm a very straightforward <laughs> cup like People like to pretend like they're a little mysterious. I'm not mysterious at all. When you see me, you know exactly the kind of bullshit that I come with. It's cotton paste stamp. It's very easy to tell what I am. But when I was growing up, you're right in the sense of, especially being a queer kid, I, there was not a single soul that I felt I could trust or truly be comfortable with. Mm. Every word that I said, every way that I said anything I said had to be filtered 15 different ways. Even something yeah. as simple as like walking down the street and then your own family member will tell you, oh, you're walking like a faggot. Then now you're also self-conscious about the way you walk. So literally your entire being had to be filtered. You couldn't just relax. Mm-hmm. You just, and you knew that you couldn't let your guard down for anything. You couldn't slip up and say the wrong thing. You just, mm-hmm. you didn't even know who you could tell anything to. Even something as silly as um things that normally would be so throwaway, like 
you'd listen to a, a song and that song was sung by somebody who identifies as a man you couldn't say oh, i like his voice because that could trigger a whole new conversation that would or if it were a song that was sung by somebody who identified as a woman you couldn't sing along or if you sung along you'd have to change mm. the words for it to make and that kind of thing like i've said this before i went to boarding house when i was six i didn't even have my sister then even though like there are things that i obviously those same filters i would have to put on even for her but at least i could look at her and know that hey we're in the same boat we're still we're struggling to survive in a very similar way so not even having to say anything to each other about whatever i knew that in terms of survival day to day i could count on her to have my back and I, she could count on me to have her back even something mm-hmm. like we weren't out to get each other it, mm-hmm. where when in fact it felt like every other person in the world was out to get us like so whatever nonsense you were struggling with and if you were then like bullied at school forget it you could not tell anybody like you just ate that one it forces you to learn the very very stark lesson of nobody gives a shit about you in this life it's true but you kind of hope you don't have to learn it that early but once you learn it you kind of notice that oh nobody gives a shit about you that's just what it is like this loneliness thing you eat it or you don't but like it is what it is yeah but no that's a really good point you make about about trust factoring into it because obviously you can feel it when you like in the moment want some connection like in the Mm -hmm. moment you have something exciting to share you need support but I hadn't thought about it in those terms of like, do you feel like, even if you don't need it right now, do you have someone you could trust? Like if something were to happen, is there someone you could trust to reach out to or lean on? Like, so even when it's not, even when you're not looking for it in that moment, that feeling of like, do I have a trusted person? That can lead to a lot of loneliness. And with what? I don't believe there's anybody I can trust 100% with anything. I feel like with finances and with the way you position yourself in life, just for practical things, everybody's out to get you if you yeah. leave money on the table somebody's gonna take it that's just it but there are yeah. people that i can hang around that I, like my sister for instance for the most she's not gonna cheat me say for instance if we're going half seas on a gift for another parent or something to the cent she's only gonna ask me for the exact amount in fact she's gonna take the bigger cost just to spare mm-hmm. me you know what i mean like yeah. i know that she's never gonna cheat me in that way she's never going to be shady about anything i can trust that if she says this is the thing this is the thing like I don't even worry about thinking about, oh, is she, is she tricking me? Is like, not with that. And even with my mom, like my mom, if she's not out to get me in that way. Now, will I tell them about romantic relationships? Like there's a separate aspect of my life that I do not trust them with. Trust yeah. in some areas, but not in all. And I don't think I have any one person that I can trust in 100% of all areas. I would hope to have that at some point in my life, but I haven't ever had that. When I thought I did, the illusion that I, every single time I've made that mistake, that person has revealed to me that that indeed was a mistake. Oh no. I mean, don't cry for me, Argentina. Like I learned that shit fast. <laughs> but now if, if there's somebody who I trust, I'm like, okay, I have to limit my trust to the only things that you have shown me you're trustworthy with. I can't assume that because you've shown me you're trustworthy with A, I should also trust you with B. Mm. So you have to yeah. prove that I can trust you with A and so forth. So imagine how exhausting it is to meet somebody and then like they have to continuously to prove to you that they're trustworthy in every aspect. For You know what I mean? My, yeah. tra- my therapist is really going to have a field day with that one. But yeah. <laughs> and it is stressful to have to like you brought this up and like we've talked about it before in episodes about being closeted or code switching, like having having that f- having to feel like you're limiting or cutting off a part of yourself from a person where otherwise you can trust them. But then, like, you can't trust them with something that feels like a big part of you. That feels lonely. That feels really isolating. Yep. Even with someone who, in other ways, is a great part of your life and can be trusted. Like, that feels... And I've said this before. Because this accent that I speak with is not the one that I am most comfortable with, it's very hard for me to connect with somebody that I can't drop this accent with. Mm -hmm. Because on some level, I will still feel lonely with them. 
Yeah. I'm still code switching. It's not the case where I can just truly 100% just let it all hang loose and just be. That, yeah. and I, the longer this goes on for, the more removed I am from whatever ideal version of myself I could possibly be. So <laughs> even when, I don't know if that makes sense. Even when you find somebody that you don't have to code switch for, it's almost like you're forcing yourself to perform not code switching. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like you, you have yeah. to actively undo that every time you talk to them. It's oh, not yeah. just seamless. I feel that on a lot of things, like anything that's that's vulnerable. Yeah, I've been burned before and it's like, it's automatic to like protect yourself. And like, even if it's painful to protect yourself and you now are like intellectually like, I am opening up, I'm, I think I can trust this person. I actively want to put this, like it's, it's hard to. With the loneliness thing, I think trust is a huge factor. But for you to open up to a new person that you want to trust, maybe not just 1%, but maybe even 10%, 10% is a lot. Knowing that you already have two or three people that you can trust 100% makes it easy for you to trust this new person 10%. Because if this new person turns out to be a complete bullshitter and you lose that person, you still have two in the bag. If you have zero in the bag, you do not want to give grace to this one person. Because like, why, you know what I mean? Why yeah. risk it? Because you don't have a community base to support you if this goes wrong. So what's yeah. the point? I think it's, it's, it's funny. I think there are some people who, if they don't feel like they have stable connections, will either be very protective of themselves, like mm. you were saying, or will throw Hedrick. themselves at someone yeah. and, and be like, I need someone I can trust, so it's going to be you, and just like... That, be, that person must be stupid and doesn't learn from like Because, yes, it is <laughs> true. But once you've done that bullshit once or twice, maybe three times, by the third time you get burned, you don't want to do it a fourth yeah. time. You have to have such terrible amnesia. That's what, I was watching an interview with Kelly Rowland the other day, and she was saying how when she was younger, when she'd get hurt, she'd go straight to anger. And then mm -hmm. she'd leave that situation. But she wouldn't take the lesson from that hurt and anger with her. So the next time it happened again, she'd get hurt and angry and then repeat the exact same thing. So now she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I will get hurt. I will get angry. But I'm not leaving here without that lesson because mm -hmm. I don't want this to happen again. So I think that yeah. that's the part that people forget. Like, you have to learn that fucking lesson. And your therapist will be like, well, learning that lesson means you're putting walls up. Then, bitch, let me fucking build the wall of China because there is <laughs> there's no like. Yeah, it's 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 true that you should probably let your guard down. You know, as Sia says, to let your friendships grow, you have to let your feelings show. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like. Yep. No, I've had to do a lot of learning about that, and like, because my automatic response is to protect myself mm -hmm. and to not trust other people. And sometimes people, even even with things going well, people are going to let you down. And my brain is so trained to protect myself that if, even if it's like, you know, I put myself out there ten times, and nine times it's well received. And the 10th time I get hurt, my brain is like, see, see, see? yeah, I told you so. <laughs> and it's like, but brain, like all of these other times, it resulted in like a lot of positive things in my life. Mm -hmm. My brain's like, but you saw what can happen. And it's happened before. <laughs> There's that scene from Ted Lasso where the, la have I said this to you before? The lady who owns the team and she, uh -huh. was, she was having a conversation with Ted Lasso and he was saying, have you ever been to a therapist? And she was like, why would I go to a therapist? I can do this shit with myself in exactly 10 seconds. And she did it. She was like, well, I've been hurt too many times that in order to protect myself, I, 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 pretty, I pretty much isolated myself because I thought that would protect me. And that led me to my greatest fear, being lonely. So she was like, yeah, well, I don't need a therapist for that. I know exactly what the fuck it is. Like, <laughs> it was, she said it in such a funny way, but it was so profound because you have to isolate yourself to protect yourself from being hurt again and again and again. And when you do that, it drives you straight to loneliness because... It's like a one plus one equals two. There's no other way for that to go. It's always going to go that way. I'm not expecting that I'm not going to get hurt. 
I'm gonna put myself out there. Sometimes I'm gonna get hurt. The therapy is to learn ways to not give a fuck about that and keep going and like keep putting myself out there. It's to like let it be able to let go of it more easily and not let it keep me from doing keep me from opening up. Like Okay, yes. And first of all, <laughs> I, I have to intellectualize this so I can get myself out the door. So yeah, the same thing, like me shooting my shot like, with somebody that I really care about or I like, it's the same thing. It could end in rejection at some point, but you still gotta just do it because you gotta play the stupid mm -hmm. game to win the stupid prize. I get that. But yeah. all I'm saying is we have to admit right now that, that is a very stupid game. <laughs> there are no guarantees. It's a very stupid game. And we played, by the mm -hmm. way, I'm not I'm in favor of playing the stupid game. I think it's very important for all of us to continue to play this stupid game, but it is in fact a stupid game. There yeah. are no guarantees. I don't even want to call it delusion. The amount of <laughs> it's recklessness really. Hmm. For you to even have a fighting chance, you have to be so reckless that no matter how many times you get hurt, you just have to continue to get up and just continue this bullshit. Truly, yeah. How does loneliness play into migration and moving around? I would imagine that people who migrate anywhere, unless they figured out a hack, it's a lonely experience. You're the new one. When I first moved to the US, let me tell you, baby, <laughs> it was a racket. I expected the worst. And I think I was met with pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I did have one outstanding disappointment, though. So when I moved to the U.S., I was like, I hadn't lived with my parents for a while, but I was moving back with my mom. So I was like, you know what? At least I'll have this person that I seem to remember that I could trust, even though I don't quite have mm. any true recollections of how any true recollection of how much I can trust this person. I just know that they're my parent and I'm supposed to trust them. Yeah. However... I understood that I can't be 100% of myself still because I haven't been 100% of myself for as long as I can remember. And also, at this point, this is a stranger. So I know that all my other relationships, like the people I'll probably meet in school, I still gonna have to hide my queerness. I'm still going to have to be really self-conscious about how I walk, how I speak, how I da-da-da-da. But at least I know that the very base is I can relax on the abandonment issues because there's going to be an adult figure who will have my best interest at heart. So that nonsense I was talking about where me and my sister were the only two people we could see eye to eye on, where we could like trust each other, take care of each other at the very least. I thought, okay, mm -hmm. hey, now I'm going to move my parent and that's going to be one person solid. Mm -hmm. Tell me why the queer <laughs> thing completely tanked that, completely yeah. shattered it. And that was, yeah. I had thought at that point I had mastered loneliness and there is no amount of face crack that'll happen. I will just water off a duck's back when that one happened when i tell you that was a whole new spiral when a relationship cracks like that you can't mend it yeah you know what i, I said what i said you can't mend it there is no amount of mending you can do when that relationship cracks you can put a facade on it which is what we've done but you can't mend it there's no mm -hmm. way we're digging ourselves out of that one yeah. yeah and i think in that moment yeah. i recognize oh this is a crack that we can't come back from mm -hmm. so that one hurt so when you migrate to a new place like you don't know anything. You are the new person on the block. You're the one who has to learn every new relationship here. All of those people, they only have to learn one new relationship, and that's you. You have to learn all of them. Mm -hmm. So that overwhelming feeling. Some people don't. Some people are extroverts. It doesn't even phase them at all. They just move into a new space. They just. It's like magic. They turn it on and they just, woo, off they go. Meeting people, making connections. You know, I migrating must be very difficult for people, especially if there's like a language or an accent or barrier or something else. Mm -hmm. It's probably only. What do you think? Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't moved that many times, but I imagine it's a very isolating experience. When I moved, for example, like from high school in my hometown to college, it was it was a very different feeling because it was 
a feeling I'd never felt before of not knowing anyone, which was overwhelming and felt lonely. But it was also a feeling of like, even with the small connections I was starting to make, I felt more connected to these people. Like, but then there's also a, a disconnect of like, they were my people in some ways and not in others. We went to a private school. Socioeconomic. Yeah. It was like some things I could connect with people on and other times it was like, I don't think you have any concept of the way the last 18 years of my life have been. <laughs> like, So like moving to a new place can be like, sometimes it is a nice, a new start. And like, there's a reason to reach out and make new connections, but it's also, I think often a really isolating experience. People are able to stay more connected now. Like you're able to stay connected at least somewhat with people in a place you were previously or to meet people in advance. And like, before you move to a place. I think because the bar is in hell. <laughs> Truly. Whenever I moved to a new place, and I, I guess I did it when I went to college. I did it when I moved back to Maryland, and I did it again when I moved to Baltimore. I already go in assuming that there's going to be zero connections. I'm not coming from a wealth of connections, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. However, college was the first time that I had another like glimpse of hope, where I felt like with the queer thing, that was the first mm -hmm. time that that wasn't one of the things that I had to worry about. Like Almost yeah. like I was able to put one suitcase down. Like, okay, I still have to worry about all these other things, but that one, I could put that down. And I was like, the people that I connected with, that wasn't an issue for me to connect with them. I don't know how much of it is like the age itself versus just the stage of life you're in. I feel like it's harder, at least I find it harder to make new connections as I get older. Like now at this point in my life, I have some really long-standing friends like you, but I don't have any friends from high school or like my childhood. So like younger in life, it felt, I felt like very unmoored at times because I didn't have a great relationship with my family. I didn't have any of these like long-standing friends. And so like even the friends I had, the connections felt so new that it was like, I don't know if I can trust this mm -hmm. to like go on. So like, as I've gotten older, like it's a comforting feeling of feeling like there are multiple people who have now been in my life for many years, who even if we get a little bit disconnected, that connection can be started back up. But I also find it harder to make new connections yep. even if i really want to like sometimes it's just practical I'm like how but but sometimes it is also like a sort of unwillingness of like a new connection just feels so different than the other connections in my life sometimes in a good way but sometimes in a i like when i meet somebody new and i instantly i'm like oh it's likely that we will remain friends for a really long time like sometimes yeah. you meet people like that and just like we see each other but yeah. not very often that's very rare no. but you're right i think it's it might be a stage yeah. of your life thing i think almost because it's rarer and you recognize it better when you get older, it feels more special when you do find somebody like that. So I think college yeah. was the, like the oldest point forward that I've actually kept people as friends in whatever yeah. capacity, yeah, yeah. Can you be lonely while you're in a relationship? I'm gonna say yes, even though I may not have the most experience with this. If I've just been dating somebody for a few weeks, even a month, and I have something really stressful, like I don't feel I've known them long enough for me to dump that kind of trauma on them. And in that instance, you feel lonely. I think it's totally possible to feel this way in a relationship. I don't think it's, it's impossible to avoid it. You can be in a healthy relationship and still occasionally feel lonely, mm -hmm. but that's something I really see in like very unhealthy relationships where the people are not communicating. But like all the like, are the straights okay jokes? <laughs> It's very funny, but it's also like, I, I sort of like pity that I really pity all of the jokes when people are like, oh, like better not let your wife hear about that. It's like, you must be so lonely. Because I know loneliness, like the back of my hand, there is a certain bar for any successful relationship that I want. That relationship has to exceed that bar. <laughs> I'm not doing that codependency where we're both lonely and I'm never doing that. So if yeah. I see a relationship, that, which is why like a lot of the relationships fail is because I'm like, okay, we are reaching a limit here where I don't feel like mm -hmm. I can, sh you know what I mean? And I'm like, this is not gonna work. 
it's not gonna work if there's no way for us to cross this threshold where i don't feel lonely with you in this aspect we are not going to work almost an opposite problem that i see leading to loneliness is that people when they get into a relationship make that romantic interest like their only mm-hmm. person and they like give up other connections and they expect that one person to provide all of the connections for them it's a dumb game very stupid game something as simple as like if i have a health scare i automatically mm-hmm. expect the person i'm dating to be the person i discuss that health scare with Maybe family, mm-hmm. if it's like something that I need support for, with. But mm-hmm. friends, acquaintances, people I kiki with, I'm not taking that to them. So if mm-hmm. me dating someone cannot include that as part of the package, why am I dating you? Yeah, yeah. The, like, at least that I expect from a life partner. Everything else is negotiable, like th- things like that. Why are people afraid to admit when they're lonely? It's a vulnerable thing to sort of ask for anything from someone. I think it's also one of these weird things that's so many things that are just like normal needs that people need met that are seen as like a moral failing if you right <laughs> it's so weird it's like everybody feels this way at times like help especially actively like it's one thing to be like oh i'm gonna put myself out there and like see if they respond it's another thing to say hi i'm lonely not even necessarily the words but like yeah it's if i ever leave the streets i swear to god i will kill myself before i come back in the streets because i <laughs> this is some bullshit. here's what i've noticed Every single person in the streets is suffering from loneliness, some more mm-hmm. severe than others. But when everybody's playing this dating game, nobody wants to seem too clingy or needy on the front end. Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to admit that they seek companionship to cure the loneliness. Yeah. And it's a stupid game because why do you want to act too cool for companionship? <laughs> That's why yeah. we're all in the streets. Like, bitch, what? <laughs> it's like yeah. this whole thing where everybody wants to act too cool that they don't need companionship. Like, why do you think we're all here, motherfucker? Yeah, I've also just been trying to be literally, you said the word reckless, like, honestly, that's what I feel like it is often nowadays, is like, you know what, fuck it, send the text, like, send the meme, like, whatever, I'm just gonna do it, I'm just gonna do it, and fuck it. Yeah, and and, and often it works, actually, it doesn't always. Our parents aging, the way they handle their loneliness, sometimes you see it, but sometimes I think about these things, and I'm like, in another 30 years, where, when I'm at where my parents are right now, I hope that whatever ways I cope with loneliness is in such a way that people who care about me don't worry about me. Mm, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Because I, I know yeah. I, can't, I can't solve anybody's loneliness for them. So that concludes our episode on loneliness. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, let us know what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future. Next time, we're bringing back one of our favorite topics to be determined. Until then, good luck.